It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line on Quartz 96 FM. Sitting across from me is a man. You and I, Paul Byrne, have worked together, I would say, on and off, on and off for, for, for nearly 40 years. I'm always afraid to admit it. That's right. 40 years ago, we, we would have started Empire's Radio, you and I. Uh, I was under the name at the time Paul Davis. You were Tony Black. Or Tony Henry. Tony Henry. I changed between uh, them, yeah. yeah. We used to be dodging the uh, taxman with different names. You know, we change our names every month on Empire's Radio. There was no Empire's point Radio. in dodging the taxman. We weren't getting paid for half it anyway, you know. <laughs> I was. <laughs> well, yeah, I wasn't worried about that. But Paul, no, um, welcoming and occasional presenter of this program, of course, but 25 years today, 25 years ago today, became the Southern Correspondent of what is then TV3 and is now Virgin Media News. Was news always what you wanted to do, young fella? No. Um, I got into news by accident. I always loved comedy and I was very, very heavily involved in a lot of stage works, shows and cabarets, uh, you know, bars and lounge venues around the country. But um, when I was working in 96 FM back maybe 35 years, 30, mm. 35 years ago, um, I was on sticker patrol. I'd do the odd show here and there. Uh, I was out doing the promotions. But I started getting involved in news with Barry O'Mahony in the newsroom. At the time, there was three men missing from a Cork address. Cahill mm-hmm. O'Brien, uh, Patrick O'Driscoll and Cahill Ball, or Cahill O'Brien and uh, Kevin Ball. And I became very interested in the story and Barry and myself, you know, we worked on it um, around the clock really and it came to the situation where I found where Dennis uh, Patrick O'Driscoll had been buried and unfortunately those who had killed the man had moved the body. It's a long, long story and mm. I, I, I know lots and lots of people know about it and I really developed a taste for news after that and thankfully Barry O'Mahony gave me a chance to go out and do some reporting uh, from time to time and it just took off from there so mm-hmm. maybe I might be doing comedy in the Grand Parade Hotel on a Monday and Delacy House on a Tuesday and then I was doing serious news reporting on a yeah. Wednesday at 96FM but thankfully thankfully uh, people accepted me for that because sometimes you say how can he be a credible reporter if he's doing the mm. funny man on a Monday or a Tuesday but look it's it, it's worked <laughs> I've uh, I've bluffed so far <laughs> you, you, you know? had done some television as well hadn't you yeah I worked in multi-channel television for many many years uh, I 
you know, I always considered pirate radio and multi-channel television like the force of broadcasting. You know, you had to mm. cut your teeth somewhere. And it was invaluable uh, training. It was fantastic. And I really, really got again to see both sides of the, the world in, in multi-channel television. There are two sides to life, I think, when you're, when you're out and about reporting, you see many, many things. And like, eventually, I landed the job in what was then TV3 and uh, 25 years ago today we came on air and uh, we did my very, very first report uh, and the first of many over the last 25 years. It was a murder? or It, it was actually um, a, a teenager who was stabbed to death and I covered that story. Uh, it was a killing. The person wasn't convicted of murder. The person was convicted of killing. And unfortunately, in the last 25 years, I have seen... Close to 100, 70, 80, 90, 100 murders. Many of them children and absolutely devastating. I think we're living in a world that's drink and drug fueled, and it's becoming a more and more violent society over the last 25 mm. years. Is there more violence out there now than there was when you started this? Oh show? yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. That's what I said, like, it's all drink and drugs and drugs. Like, years ago, a guy might give a fella a slap, of, you know, a clatter or whatever like that, whereas no, because drugs... Uh, fellas are fueled with drugs they're dancing on people's heads they're, they're dance on their bodies they stab them, they hammer them they're, they don't give up until the other person is dead, it's absolutely frightening what's going on out there mm, and we don't know the half of it, even those in it but those of us who are in the job yeah, yeah, it, it's brutal, uh, you know. And I just want to say one thing as well. I mean, it, because of the the situation, the, the violent society we're living in, guards have a horrific job. And I think at the moment there's a TV program called The Guards, the mm. K inside the K on mm. Virgin Media. I think every politician and every judge in the country should be made sit down and watch it and to see what the guards have to go through. That what's happening in Dublin is happening here in Cork and Waterford and Limerick, and. The guards do so much to get the criminals before the courts. Mm. It's not just a case of going out and picking up PJ Coogan or Paul Byrne and arresting them for such and such an offence. There is dozens and dozens of man hours go into bringing a prosecution to the courts and nine times out of ten the system is failing the the, the taxpayer and the victims mm -hmm. these people are handed a suspended sentence so we're living in a, a a violent society and the criminals aren't being dealt with properly you mentioned the drink drink and drugs um of course west cork happy hunting ground for many a drug dealer over the years and you've reported on some huge seizures yeah I mean you know there has been so many there has been so many uh, trawlers or ships and uh, yachts coming in off the coast laden down with drugs cannabis cocaine and um, but thankfully we've managed or sorry the, the officials have managed the Irish state has managed to, to seize lots of it but it's a known fact that for every seizure seizure, nine will go through undetected. The Irish coastline is wide open. I mean, Dunlock Bay was one of the biggest mm. in the history of the state a couple of years ago and they were bringing in a, a load of cocaine, bales of cocaine but you might remember that somebody, I don't know, was it they put petrol in the outboard engine instead of diesel or yeah. vice versa and everything went pear-shaped. But hadn't had that not happened, there is a very strong possibility all those bales of cocaine, I think it was half a billion worth of uh, coke mm. would have made its way through the coast um, but yes I mean 
cocaine, all those bales of cocaine, and it's down there on the streets in the city. I'm looking over the Patrick Street today. There are people down there, um, unfortunately, strung out of their minds looking for their next uh, fix mm. of heroin. It's rampant um, and it's getting worse and it's so sad to see this, the, 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 the country ravaged by drugs and again, it's gotten worse over the last 25 years. Mm, yeah. The people that you have met over the years, um, you've met from from Bill Clinton, if you want, to Bob Murphy. You, 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 you meet and, and you love that. You approach everybody the same way. Yeah, um, Bill Clinton, Bertie Ahern, Leo Varadkar, Michal Martin, as you said, Bob Murphy, Mary Murphy, John Sullivan, Mrs. Sullivan. And you know what? I prefer meeting Mr. and Mrs. O'Sullivan and Mr. and Mrs. Murphy on the streets because they're why Virgin Media News has been so successful because we tell the human interest stories mm. and they've trusted me to tell their stories over the last 25 years. Um, you see the richest, we meet the richest of the rich, the most vulnerable of the vulnerable. And I always remember interviewing a, a man on the streets, a homeless man, and he said, um, never look down on anyone unless you're put, bending down and putting out your hand to pick them up off the, the ground. I mm. thought it was a, a, a great little saying. And, but I just love human interest stories. The man and woman on the street um, give me those any day over any politician. Mm. I know there's no disrespect to any politicians who, who I get on with and admire you know, mm. in their line of work. Mm. But I think um, the success to Virgin has been the human interest stories. The people mm. who are waiting for surgery, who are waiting um, for a hip replacement and they can't get it and they've come out publicly or their child is on a waiting list. I mean, I remember one stage Nine times out of ten, when people come to the media to say their child can't get an operation because there's a big long list, um, when they appear on the news at half five, they might be on a waiting list for four or five years. Nine times out of ten, when they appear on the news at half five, they will receive a letter from the HSE the following day to say, oh, we've been able to manage to, mm. to find a place for John or Mary. The, it's the power it's, of the it's, media. It's happened, it's happened here. We've <coughs> yeah, had people, yeah, of course. You know, and, and so therefore I'll echo it with you. But it, 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 it says two things, doesn't it, Paul? It says, first of all, the waiting list system is a disgrace. And secondly, it says that these things can be solved if the right person wants to solve them. Exactly. And um, it's a shame that these people have to go to the media, but um, it, it happens and it's the power of the media. Your listeners tune in every day and if they have a problem, they come to you and you can get it rectified within a short period of time on the radio. Mm. And it's, 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 it's a shame. I think there is two sides to life. You know, the people who are vulnerable are still being kicked around the place all the time. Mm. What I've always admired about you is that My people looks. trust you. Well, we'll talk about that later. People trust you. Um, that's not something that comes easily. You see Paul Byrne coming with a the camera. They trust you. I remember one remarkable incident. You and I both attended a tragedy down in West Cork. It was the T Bonhomme. Do you remember the trawler? Yeah. And one of the bodies was brought ashore. And it was in a little tent. And the family were there. And, and you made a very, I watched you do it, a very gentle approach to a family member and that person agreed to speak with you and I thought that takes what, what how do you do that Paul um, I suppose I've learned the way that lots of times if you approach a family um, 
they like to talk and they don't they won't approach you because they don't know how to do it maybe you'll approach a family and say would you like to talk about john or mary and nine times out of ten they do um and they trust you to tell their story again i suppose you know i've been around so long people will know me from the tv and they say okay look we, we'll go with it and they might just say look give me a couple of minutes i'll discuss it with the wife or the husband and they come back but i'm not going to go in there barging with a microphone to say mm. talk to me talk to me talk mm. to me um i i will say something i will i remember it's a, it's a horrible job at times i love my job mm. it's a super job it's a horrible job at times when you do have to approach a family. The death knock. It's uh, yeah, horrible. Or calling yeah. to a door and ask them, would they like to talk? Or would they like to issue a photograph of their loved one who, who has mm. died? And I remember calling to a house one day and um, family had lost a child. And the father came out and he was obviously distraught. <clears throat> he said, Paul, I can do this two ways. I can do it the legal way. And what he meant was, I'll get uh, a solicitor's letter to get you off the grounds. Or I can do it my way. I have a shotgun inside. And I said, <clears throat> I'll go away. And I said, if I can ever do anything to help you, please call me. And a couple of years later, I was in Anglesey Street outside the courthouse and this man pulled up in a van and he said, can I talk to you? And I said, yeah. He said, do you remember me? And he said, I'm such and such a person. He said, um, and he told me what happened. I said, oh, yes, I, how are you? And he said, you asked me to come back if I ever could do anything for him. <clears throat> and I said, yeah. He said, well, following the death of my child, <clears throat> the HSE has been sitting on a report, an investigation into his death for the last six years and we're getting nowhere and I made a phone call and he had the report on his desk the next morning we didn't do a television report on the fact that the man was looking for the report but I was glad I was able to help him and initially he had threatened to shoot me and I can't blame him I mean I do it myself I always put myself in the, the situation what would they do if they came to what would I do if they came to my door Mm -hmm. um, I just don't know but people react in different ways mm -hmm. and look I want to say one thing thank, thank you to all the people who haven't threatened to shoot me and I'm sorry if I ever have upset people and I'm sure I have mm -hmm. And I didn't ever mean, I never I'd ever mean it, but that's the, the nature of the job. The great Dick Cross, who is still around, um, taught me a lesson, and I think possibly taught you too. To us, it's a day's work. It's their life. One of the most important lessons I ever learned in this job. It is, and you know what I say, look, we it is a day's work, and I, I, every time you do a story where involving death... Um, I think again the other day just Cashel and Clonmel where people oh. lost their lives in horrific road crashes and you're up there for three or four days and you're covering the crashes and you're covering the funerals and then we move on to the next story. Mm -hmm. It's only those, at then it's probably those families are allowed to grieve. It's like sometimes you think, oh my God, it's a case, it's a, it's a file number and we move on. But that's, that's mm. the, the downside of the job. It's a tape that you store. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That is, and it 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 just it, it is it is what it is. Um, we liked it for a second. You 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 love stuff. You love strange stuff. The weirder the better. There's nothing you won't you won't go to. You know, pig racing or <laughs> donkey derbies. You're sitting there in the morning, and a choice of things comes in. How do you pick what one to go to? Um, if it's a human interest story, that'll mm. win out straight away ever before um, a political story. Like, just say for Agnes' sake, today, um, just say you could do something on fuel prices. That's a consumer story. That's affecting mm. the man and woman on the street. Uh, property prices, again, anything to do 
with the punter, the viewer, uh, your listener or viewer. That's they're the stories that are chosen over anything else, really. A mm. couple of things, couple of accolades for you. You um, you won an award for a documentary on the mur- murder of Sophie. We're coming up to what is it now? Is it twenty seven years? Twenty seven December. Yeah, Paul. Do you ever think we'll and. I'm not asking you to yeah. pass judgment on anything, but you, like I, have followed this since the afternoon the story broke. Will we ever know what happened, do you think? What actually happened? Um, there was a conviction recently, a man called Noel Long. Mm-hmm. Um, he was convicted of a murder here in Cork Correct. Uh, 40 years ago. And there was a team of detectives from West Cork assigned to that to go back and look at it. And they, had a, they got a conviction. The same team are now investigating the murder of Sophie Tuscan de Plantier. There's fresh eyes, you know, there's mm. a fresh set of ears, and they're going over those statements. And I think there's such a, 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 a professional team that if the killer is out there, the killer will be caught. I do believe that. Mm. Um, they're, they insist, they're adamant in nailing whoever killed Sophie Tuscan de Plantier. Mm. Uh, there's probably a lot of younger people listening to this today who don't know who she is but it has been one of the most pr- high profile unsolved murders in this country over the, the years. Great, the great unsolved <coughs> murder yeah. cases of both yours and my career. You not, not, not satisfied with crime in Ireland? You went to the Bronx. <laughs> I went to the Bronx a couple of years ago. I was over actually filming uh, a story about the Irish living in America and lots of them how well they had done and others who were... Um, coming home and we were over there as well to film St. Patrick's Day Parade in New York and at one of the events uh, Michal Martin was attending one of the events uh, was a false gig and I met head of security he was the head of the bomb squad in New York and he was from Mallow originally right <laughs> and um, it was like it was like he was like this FBI agent you know and the microphone up the sleeve and everything and um, so I said to him come here I'd love to try and get a, a night out or two with, with the, the NYPD and he said here's a number ring this guy his name is Paul McCormack he's a captain he was the youngest captain in the police in New York and he was from Donegal mm-hmm. so I rang him I got his number he called me back and he said okay report for duty to Fort Apache that's what it was known as <laughs> it was the toughest precinct in the Bronx and he said actually said he report for duty he said I'll send a patrol car to your hotel in the morning to collect you and the cameraman and we spent two days and two nights out filming bulletproof vests on top of rooftops chasing the perpetrators with the cops with the cameras I it was an incredible incredible experience it was superb Um, I mean the guy said to me make sure you wear that uh, bulletproof vest he said the last thing I want to do is send you back to Cork in a box you know but I mean uh, life in the Bronx back then was incredible but listen I have spent time here filming with the guards as well. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Out with the fire service here in Cork, out with the National Ambulance Service. Um, their work is incredible. And it was great to be able to allow us to show the works mm-hmm. of our own emergency services here in Cork. We'd be lost without them. Mm. A few people responding now. Uh, John O'Donovan, whom we, bo- we both know well. I'd like to thank Paul for the balanced coverage he gave the Ballyfahan Says No and other campaigns. He reports on grassroots movements that other media wouldn't touch with a barge poll. He says especially RTE, but that's his words. Uh, 
and Paul, Mary says you're a credit to Cork. Uh, David says, great to hear Paul talking about all these big stories. I followed his career. Noreen says, happy anniversary, Paul. But Kevin has a question. Um, how do you go home and stay sane with what you see at work? How do you go home in the evening to a wife and kids and not bring this stuff home? And how do you avoid it driving you mad? Um, I'll be, I might as well be honest. It does take its toll. Um, when you're reporting on it on the on the day, it's it's your job. You got to get it on the news. Um, I remember a situation many many years ago where there was a baby a baby Jacob, and I'm not saying anything. Mm-hmm. That's when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Private because he was on the news, baby Jacob in Mill Street, and somebody contacted me to say that the family were from Poland, they were living in Mill Street, and the baby had been born without any eyes. I remember it. And I, I, I took no it up. Right. I thought the baby was blind, but when I went down, they said no, the baby hasn't any eyes. And I remember going in. The baby was only about three or four months old, and I had the same age child, Callum. He was only about three or four months at the time. And for the first time in my life, at a story, I burst out into tears. Mm -hmm. The family ended up consoling me, (laughs) honestly. And I, but in general, you have to turn away from it, you turn off, but it's it's at night when you're lying there in bed. And I'll be honest with you, I've had nightmares um, recently about the death of Santina Cawley. Um, That Mm. was the little baby who was killed in the Borey Manor Road. Um, That is really really had a serious effect to me yeah. I do break down um, from time to time but on my own I could be just sitting in the car waiting to collect the kids from something and you yeah. think of things and it's like when you see a child in pain or a, lo- a child who loses his or her life it's it's gall, it's gruelling uh, it does take its toll and it, I, I do have my moments I'm not uh, as hard as people might think I'll share a story with you um, because you rang me on my 40th birthday to tell me that Robert Hulahan had been found. Yeah, I'm getting a shiver now thinking back of that. Um, it was my 40th. He was found on my 40th birthday. Was he? I was going out of here to meet a friend for lunch and you rang me and of course you went straight down. We all went straight down. 
and we both reported on that day until dark and a cold night. And I came home that night and I was writing up some work for the morning and sending stuff to the network and whatever. And I wasn't working the following day, as it turned out. And I said, I'd go get myself a can of beer. And I had a fridge out in the shed. I went out to get some beer. And I stood on a cold January night looking up at the sky and I thought of that poor little boy lying in that ditch. And the tears came, and they didn't stop for a long time. Mm. It happens to us, Paul. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I honestly, I think of um, Robert Hulahan quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that I don't think of all the, the other children mm. that, that have lost their lives. But there are stories that stand out. I mean, I remember when the news story that there was a child missing in um, Middleton and the media went down. Little did we think that we'd be there 10 or 12 days later still out searching for him. And I remember, or I, I, I remember saying to the guards at one stage, would we do a reconstruction for television? And they said, right, can you organise it? And I said, yeah. And I went to St. Anthony's Boys School in Bannanlock and I spoke to the then principal, Flora Sullivan. I told him what we were doing. And we went around the school looking for a lookalike and there was this boy, my Jesus, I've never seen anyone so close to Robert. And his parents agreed for this little boy to do the reconstruction. And I remember we were doing the reconstruction of Robert cycling on, sorry, this boy was doing the reconstruction on his bike outside uh, Mark and Magella's uh, house in, in the driveway. And we were filming it and the boy was cycling away and I remember looking to the window and there was Magella Houlihan looking out at this little boy, Robert's double, and I went, Jesus, what is she thinking? Mm. Thankfully, his body was found, you know, there was closure again, we hear this word closure if, if for the want of a better word, but again, horrific, so yeah. such a sad story. You mentioned Tina Satchwell, and I, I want to have a laugh at the before before we finish, and I promise that I will, but but we'll start with that. I'll come to, to the dark one in a minute. Is there a story of the last 25 years, Paul, that when you think about it, when it crosses your mind, you smile? One story that you'll always smile. Um, crikey, if we be on a spot... I, 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 I'll walk away from here afterwards and I'll probably say, ah, oh Christ, why didn't I tell that story? Why didn't I tell this story? But uh, I got a call actually from somebody in the emergency services this morning and uh, it just brought a story back to me. We were out filming with the uh, ambulance service a couple of years ago and we were going to various calls and just... Um, but there was an incident where a man rang that his wife had gone into labour and the ambulance went out to meet them. They were, he was driving up. So they stopped halfway just out by Ballinhasic. Every time I think past it, I, I think of this. So there's the woman in the back of the car, ah, ah, screaming. And the paramedics around delivering the baby there and then in the back of the car. It was absolutely amazing. But I'm a guy who's always telling the cameraman... Go in, go in, go in, go in. Could get the shot. We'll, we'll ask, we'll find out afterwards. We'll ask questions later. But for once in my life, I actually told the cameraman, Christ, back off, back off, back off. But I was afraid something would go wrong. Yeah. But thankfully, everything was fine. There, there was a wonderful delivery and the paramedic on the night, Danny O'Regan, he's since retired. He delivered the baby, a healthy baby. And I don't know, maybe. Oh, 15 years later, um, I was, we were down in, we were down in uh, Bandon covering a snow store story. Place mm. was uh, covered in snow. And this young fella came over to me with a man and he said, uh, 
uh, you you were there for when I was born. And I went, what? He said, you were there for when I was born. I went, oh, really? And I said, what's he all about? And I said, Christ, please don't tell me there. I was there, I was there now for the conception as well, will you? But he told me he was the boy who was uh, born. And oh, he was there. I swear he must have been about six foot six, a giant of a man. I had to get a ladder to look up at him. But I know, I know. And as, as I said afterwards, I look back now with more stories. But I said, or, thank God I wasn't there when for the... <laughs> I was only there for the birth. <laughs> Not the conception. That's a beautiful. Come here, as you know yourself from doing this job from time to time the commercials don't wait for yeah. no man give me two minutes Paul and we chat for a few minutes more yeah. I'm talking to Paul Bourne 25 years ago today he uh, started work as Southern Correspondent of the then TV3 now Virgin Media some more talk in a minute a lady on the phone wants to talk to you Paul we'll need to get a pair of headphones to accommodate that but Bernie says I want to tell Paul the reason that he lasted so long is because he's a fabulous human being and I want to send my congratulations David Leland congratulations to Paul Bourne a great professional and formative 25 years thanks for your work let's bring up another name Paul um, that I know one thing again looking to as both a colleague and a friend of many years when you get your teeth into something you don't let it go until you get an answer that, that's one thing you do Tina Satchwell you worked so hard on that story and continue to do so yeah, it's another mystery, another unsolved mystery. Um, it's it's a story that really gripped the, the nation. Um, we don't know. It's I think we'll never know. Mm. Um, again, there isn't a body, whereas there was a body in in the Sophie. Safe is Sophie. Yeah. Um, it, it, like it's, everybody asks me every day of the week, people will say, "Who did this? Who did that?" And I don't know, and I, that's not an answer that they want. But I no. genuinely don't know. No. But and I I have ideas, and I can't share them, obviously. But um, you know, people will say, I, "I know that this happened and that happened." But look, we won't know until there's evidence. And look, the guard just need that evidence. We can only deal with the, the facts. With the, the facts. Put that headphones on there and we'll say hello to where she found. Rita, morning. Good morning. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Rita. Uh, How are you? Paul, you won't, you won't remember me now, but you came to my house at one time a good few years back now. And my, my mind isn't as good now as it used to. But you came and my daughter was singing a song while she was drinking water. Right? Right. This, this was, was the thing at the time. It was some kind of a quiz. And she won the quiz anyway. And she went down to, um, I think it was Washington Street, a hotel was on. And she had to win there for the, the finals anyway. And she went in and she sang again with the water, right? right. And she won the competition, 500 euro. And you never saw such a happy person in all your life. She ran after the competition, down to the travel agent, and booked a holiday for herself. Fair play. And do you know what? She never sent me a postcard. <laughs> I know, but I mean, she do know you, like. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I had to laugh. And then afterwards, I used to say to her, Margaret, look at all Paul Byrne. God, he's on the nose. And he's on this and he's on that. <laughs> Fair play, yeah. Place, yeah. yeah. I, was, that was, a, that, that, was that on 96FM? Were we doing that at the time? A gargling competition, is it? You were right. Yes, yes, yes. yes. yes, yes, yes <laughs> fair yes. play to her. Well, listen, that, well, I mean, that's a kind of a happy thing instead of all the... The doom and gloom, exactly. Lovely, right. lovely yeah. to hear that. And uh, tell her I wish her well. And thanks for the call, I Rita. will, of course. I will, of course. Rita, yeah. thank you very much.
Thanks. Thank you too. Thanks a lot. We're chatting with Paul Bourne. 25 years ago today started as a Southern correspondent of Virgin Media. Paul, from his days in the multi uh, to now, you don't have to love him. Congratulations, says Jar. Uh, the most genuine man you'd ever meet, says Mary. I worked in North Main Street. He was working in multi-channel. I'd pass him on Southgate Bridge. Always a lovely fella and a gent. And lots of love in the room for you this morning. I, I wanted to come back to this because knowing you as I do, there are things that haunt you and you mentioned Santina mm-hmm. would that be the story Paul that keeps you awake or is there one that has cost you a night's sleep over the years Santina Cawley um, I've had desperate desperate nightmares um, since the the trial um, mm-hmm. but I I know people who in the emergency services who were there and who were still in counselling yeah, I'm going through nothing. I, I covered it, but I mean, um, the court case was horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, when they brought out some of Santina's clothing in the in the in the courtroom during the trial, um, uh, you know, little baby grows and what have you, um, heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I think you know it would bring tears to a stone. Honestly, what happened, um, and that is one story that I have woken screaming in the middle of the night. Wow. Paul, you are a family man and and you also, you're coming up, I think, to the time of year where you do switch off for a week or so. How do you switch off? How do you wind down? How do you put all this stuff behind you? Um, religiously, we go to Lanzarote in October and funnily enough, I've been going to the same place for the last 25 years mm-hmm. um, and I just love it. It's a time... I actually leave my mobile home. Or mobile home. I leave my mobile phone at home. Uh, if anybody from family, extended family, want to contact us, they have Deirdre's number. Uh, it's just one time. I do not bring the phone with me. It's a family time because we have had situations over the years where we could be out for lunch, mm-hmm. and my phone will go, and I'll have to leave again. Like even last Sunday, we were at a mini All Ireland final. My daughter was playing. Thankfully, we got to see all of the games, and we had planned to go for lunch, and uh, there was a call that the guard were holding a press conference at four o'clock so we had to cancel the lunch it happens Mm -hmm. I remember being out the night of my own 40th birthday with a lot of us out for a meal and I got a call there was a a, a murder and I had to leave the party we were sitting around a restaurant but you just that's the the downside but unfortunately I, I, I don't give out then because you're honestly you're going to a tragedy where a family are left grieving, will be grieving, and left picking up the pieces. It's a small inconvenience for me compared mm-hmm. to what a lot of people have to go through. Mm-hmm. I don't really uh, crib about it. It's it's the job. But uh, you, need, you need patient family. Dee and Callum and Charlie May. They're all very very patient. Yeah, and they they've take they've learned to accept it. Um, Callum is thirteen. He says, uh, "What is it now, Dad?" And I I, I tell him it's something you know. Mm-hmm. Or Charlie May, um, Deirdre, yeah, Grant, no problem. They've they've learned to accept it. Um, it happens. Look, thankfully, it doesn't happen every day. The yeah, week, yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. like that but it can happen and anybody in this business will know that 
if it's a big story, you drop everything. Mm. I mean, we work very closely together in Cork, the reporters here mm. from the newspapers, the radio stations. We're, we're kind of a family. Emer, yeah. uh, your producer, Emer said that this morning, yeah. that we are a family of uh, reporters and yeah. we all get on with each other. And yeah. so they all know the situation too. Yeah, put those headphones on again. You yeah. have them on you. Uh, a man we both know and, and, and respect very highly, Ed Buckley. Ed, good morning. Good morning. How are you keeping? Is this Eddie the Fire Chief? <laughs> Fireman Sam, how are you, boy? <laughs> well, I, I'm listening to your story there this morning, and I think you, first and foremost, you should probably stuck with a comedy, okay? <laughs> but, but I have to say, in all the dealings I've had with you through the years, and some of them are very, very uh, upsetting, as you can well imagine, you were very helpful to me in helping me to deliver the, the report to you. And the one thing I admire about you is your, your, how compassionate you are and sensitive. And you summed that up last week or the week before when you we were talking about that recent tragedy in Fountainstown. Mm. When you said, for those of us who have children, when they come home, grandchildren, give them a hug and tell them you love them. That was the most sensible and lovely thing I have ever heard. And I just want to congratulate you on that. Thank you so much. And, and for the listeners who don't know, Eddie was uh, a third officer in Cork City Fire Brigade uh, for many, many years, and we became yeah. great buddies. And Eddie, you have seen it all. I report it, but you got to see Absolutely. it firsthand. And Absolutely. you're the man yeah. who knows the, the pain that people go through. And you, uh, as I said, have seen it. So, But thank you so much for your call. You're, you're a gentleman. A Always love working alongside you, boy. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks, Eddie. One of those people who runs in when the rest of us are... Yeah, are running out. Uh, another man you'll know well. Hello, Geraldine, the National Ambulance Service. How are Good you? Morning. Good, thanks. Sure. How are you doing? Good, Paul. Paul. Um, again, congratulations on, on a fantastic, you know, twenty-five years and you know, qu- quarter of a century, I suppose, of, of journalism. Um, and uh, look, Paul, I just want to jump on just on behalf of the National Ambulance Service as well, just to to thank you sincerely for I suppose you, you've always covered you know the most positive events as possible for us um, you know and we've, we've gained a lot of um, I suppose PR really you know on behalf of the ambulance service where people don't really know what the paramedics do and the great work that they do you know every day um, you know like the fire service where normally the people going in that person's worst hour of need you know and and like uh, I remember your news report um, with Danny Regan and that childbirth, and it's fantastic to hear that you know, you you met that gentleman a, a number of years later, um, you know all growing up and you know again a, a result of great work done by the paramedics and great work done by you in highlighting it. So just again, thanks for everything, and uh, I'm sure we'll have many more years um, uh, of crossing paths and various events and, and stories. We will indeed, Ger, and thank you so much for all your help over the years. I just want to say one thing. What, what I learned, we were out filming with the paramedics again for, for a series of news reports, and I think everybody should be made aware of this. Lots and lots of people say ambulance drivers. They're yeah. not. The man behind the wheel or the woman behind the wheel is a paramedic or an advanced paramedic or an EMT. And that was one lesson I learned straight away the night we went out filming. And I think... Um, you know, we, we all learn as we go along. But you're, thanks a million for the call. You're very good. Thank you Great so much. Man. Great. And um, PJ, thank you too. Thank no, 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 pleasure. Uh, Gerard D, the National Ambulance Service. And you know where he lives, don't you? I do, yeah. Yeah, Nina. <laughs> go away, Paul. Do you see, this is the point. I, I can't stay serious long enough. Paul Bourne, 25 years doing what you do and doing it brilliantly. And I've known you since 1982. Thank, thank you so much, PJ. Thank you very much indeed.
Gary Mahogut. Now where's my walking frame? <laughs> <laughs> See you next time, buddy. Paul Bourne. Oh, he's still here because there's something he forgot to say. But a um, couple of more messages from Paul Bourne. Congratulations from David Leland. It's been a great professional and informative 25 years. Uh, the dogs went bark- went mad barking at Paul when you recreated the sound of the woman in labour. <laughs> <laughs> and Annette's dogs. Um, and this one, Frank says, your name will be mentioned in the same sentence as Double, Charles Mitchell and Charlie Bird in well, time to come. Now well, that is that is some praise. That's lovely. That's that is lovely. Some and by the way, have you heard from Charlie since he since he became unwell? No, I I don't know him. Uh, Do you not? I no, would have no. known him years ago. Yeah. No, no. yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay. You wanted I, to say I just, something. I just want to say thank you first of all for you to Fergal and Emer for inviting me into the studio this morning. Uh, much appreciated. I want to say thank you to all of the people who have shared their stories with me over the years and trusted me to tell their story and uh, without those people I wouldn't have lasted 25 years I'm not leaving or anything somebody texts me last night are you leaving no I'm not I'll be there for another while with the help of God Um, I just want to thank all of the the audience the people who've as I said who've been uh, calling in uh, sending messages and what have you like that um, I just want to thank my late mum and dad who were very supportive to me over the years. Uh, honest to God, they were brilliant. Do your man well. Do um, your man well. To my wife Deirdre, to my son Callum, to my little princess Charlie May, to my sister and my brothers, and to everybody. Thank you so much for the well wishes and here's to another 25 years. Um, we're going to treat ourselves if I may say Um, I'm going to bring Deirdre she doesn't know it but we're going on a little ferry we're going on a coast to coast tour to celebrate I'm going from Passage West to Cove goodbye (laughs) (laughs) go on Paul Corks 96 FM